This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime on demand wherever you get your podcasts. What does it take to be middle class? Roughly $82,000 a year in household income in San Francisco. You think you could get by in San Francisco for eighty-two grand a year? That seems pretty low. I think that's really low, to tell you the truth. San Francisco's expensive as hell. Uh, Seattle... Uh, 74,000, 60,000 in Washington, D.C., a new study says, but only 20. What it takes to get by in Cleveland, Ohio, 24 grand. No way. (laughs) How the hell are you going to get by in 24 grand in in Cleveland? So you got two G's a month coming in, Mm -hmm. right? And you get nicked for what, about 300 of that in taxes, 400, depending on the state you're in? Sure. So you're telling me that you can get by on that. What I, well, I just said, we uh, went and just had Easter brunch. It was five hundred dollars. Okay, I just burned up a week of your salary, right? Yeah. I just, uh, how can you possibly? Do you guys think there is a way to get by in twenty four grand without living in a tent? I feel like brunch would probably not be that expensive in <laughs> Cleveland, though. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> I still love the fact that you know you know what my favorite thing about Cleveland, Ohio is. Seriously, there's one thing I just love because only in Cleveland would this happen. You ready? Yeah. The river caught fire. (laughs) 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 Only in Cleveland would the river catch on fire. (laughs) That's why it's cheap to live there. Yeah, so it's very, very. Although I've been in Cleveland, I've been in Cleveland many, many times, and maybe I wasn't in the same parts that other people were in, but I thought it was great. I had a nice time in Cleveland. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's there. That can't be all bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was decent. Researchers at Smart Asset, get it? Smart Asset? Mm -hmm. Ah! (laughs) Smart Asset, the consumer finance site, tabulated the low and high end of middle class salaries in 100 large cities in every state. The analysis adopts a Pew Research uh, de- Center definition of middle class. Americans whose incomes range from two-thirds to two times the median household income. Pew also offers a nifty, are you in the American middle class, income calculator. What are they trying to learn? Did they put this out there because they're trying to learn how much money everybody's making right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that what that is, really? Oh, they're mm-hmm. trying to get us. <laughs> they're trying to get at us, absolutely. <laughs> they're nosy, too. Uh, by applying Pew's multiplier to city and state medians, the Smart Asset Report uh, reveals an income spread that defines what it means to be middle class in different parts of the United States. So that's, you know, that's a good point. That's the other thing. Are you middle class? Well, it depends on where you live, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And people don't talk about that too much, or they did in the old days. Like, well, that's Americans' median income. Well, not everywhere. No. I mean, you can't look at it that way. Uh, America's middle class has many different faces, said Jacqueline Dijon. Um, Oh, she's named after mustard. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Uh, Managing editor of economic analysis at Smart Asset. You can be earning $24,000 in Cleveland or $310,000 in Fremont and still be considered middle class. Not surprisingly, middle incomes skew higher in some uh, affluent West Coast cities and in well-hilled mega, yeah, the mega suburbs. Well, that's what Minneapolis and St. Paul is all about. Minnesota is all about those well-hilled mega suburbs, right? I mean, you go out anywhere near Lake Minnetonka, you are going to run into some pretty interesting areas. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No question about that. Well, again, uh, Palm Beach, where I, you know, I just spent some time down there. When Rush Limbaugh died, they sold his house for $115 million. I mean, a ho- 
Why would you ever buy a house for $115 million? Sounds awful. Yeah. Doesn't it? I'd be worried that someone was living in my house with me. Because it's like so big, you can't see everywhere. But is this all about, I don't know, is this about, maybe this is the small penis syndrome. I got to show them what a big deal I am by buying this huge, huge house. Sure, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I've lived in small houses, I've lived in bigger houses, but never anything anywhere near that, man. I think he bought that house for, I should probably look it up, because his family made a little money on the sale of that house, I can guarantee you that. No question about it. Um, so yeah, in any case, median household income is $155,968, which means that a middle-class income, uh, incomes, I should say, range from $104,499 to $311,936. Do you think, are there that many people making over a hundred grand a year? Do you think that's true? Mm, no, I feel like there are definitely more people that make over a hundred grand than what, what when I was in my twenties yeah, getting into this yeah. business. There's more people, you know, doing it now. But yeah, I I think we've kind of gotten to this point where uh, there, it's either you have no job or you have twelve jobs. Yeah, and the people with twelve, yep. like they figured it out that you definitely need to have like a minimum of five streams of income to be, and especially for like Jesus. single people. I mean, for me, like I I, I pay my daughter's tuition uh, at a private yeah. school because that's where she wanted to go, and I want her to have the best education. I pay my own mortgage. I still have a car. Like it, you have to have multiple streams of income and work very hard at them. And I think it's a little harder to get to those salaries. You know, nowadays, back in the day, I feel like you could be 27, 28 and get to $75,000 a year yeah. a little faster than you can nowadays. You kind of. Oh, you, really? Yeah, you got to kind of have a, a few different, you know, sticks in the fire at the same time. I suppose that is true. You got to get up and. But, but there are so many jobs open now. Is it easier to actually get a job that pays well? Uh, yeah, because I, there's a, there really is this sort of movement that's happening with the younger generation where they watched their parents or they watched their older siblings struggle and not negotiate with companies. And they're like, if I'm going to be poor, at least I'm going to get paid. I'm going to get time off from work. I'm not going to have to. Right, yeah, right. they're going to take, they're going to tell employers, I want a month's worth of vacation on my first contract. Now, for guys like us, Tom, who came up at a time when it was like, no, 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 you get two weeks. And right. You're lucky to get right. that two weeks. It's different. But I really feel like there's a big shift when it comes to uh, people really setting boundaries with themselves and companies nowadays. Does this cause people to not be as aggressive uh, at trying to earn a what used to be called a good living? Because uh, many, many people now, well, a lot of people are working from home too, but that's a whole different thing. But mm-hmm. do you think having that knowledge holds people back from pursuing their dreams because they think it's just impossible? I don't think so. I think people are more likely to leave something that even though they liked it, it's not serving them anymore mm-hmm. and d- like jump into something else because they're not just not taking like, um, like disrespect or they're not, they're not the ones that think that they just have to work and work and work at this job if it's not suiting them anymore. Yeah. If it doesn't suit you, I, I, you, well, I mean, you guys know very well, maybe you don't Shannon, but I just went through a job that just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's, that's tough to deal with waking up every morning going, I really don't want to be there anymore. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. the worst. that's I'm sure you guys have been through it. Uh, has everybody been through it, you think? Yeah, I, I would hope that 
if you were in a situation where your brain every morning was telling you to stop doing it, eventually you listened to it. But, right. Yeah, but back in the day, like our dads went out and got a job, you know, wrenching on the plows for the city, and they did that for 32 years, and then they got a gold watch, and then they retired. But nowadays, people are resetting their lives in their mid 40s. Oh yeah. They're going back to school. They're they're pivoting and doing something different, and. You know, and especially with the advent of the Ubers and the, you know, the the door dashes, stuff like that. If you're in between jobs and you got a motor and you can yeah. get up, you, there's a way for you to make a buck. You just got to be. And nowadays, there should be nobody saying, "Well, there's just no jobs." I get this. In a way, this ties, and not directly, but in a way, it does. So I I took a, a cab home from the airport. What I try to do is, is balance between doing Uber and taxis so the taxi drivers don't all lose their mm-hmm. jobs and all that. So I use Uber, and I also use taxis. Nice guy, but I don't know where he was from. He sounded probably maybe Russian, Ukrainian, something like that. Very, very nice guy. A lot of, a lot of questions, trying to learn things. But here's how he talked. Now, remember, I'm in the back seat of a taxi. He's in front seat driving, and he was doing this. When do you think you would like to come uh, back to uh, Minnesota? It's pretty cool. I'm, what? What'd you say? What? <laughs> nice guy, but I could not understand a damn word he was saying because he didn't project. And he had an accent. You know, I could have probably gotten around the accent. But the fact that he didn't project and had an accent, I'm like, what the hell is he saying right now? Nice guy. But he, he was trying to learn about America. So I'm assuming the guy may, probably was Ukrainian repatriated mm-hmm. to America, and is trying to learn everything he possibly can about what it means to be American, which is pretty smart, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think it's, I think it's you know, boarding on brilliant to learn things from your passengers. Yeah, and, and great way to do it by driving a cab. I absolutely. Think, think of all the different uh, experiences that are coming in and out of that cab daily. No, you're absolutely right. No question about this. Um, I love these stories. I really do. Uh Makes you this just makes you feel good, and and I, I have the advantage that I can see a picture of the young boy, and it makes the the story even that much better. Um, a trip to Delaware Hardware Store turns into uh, yeah, this is amazing into a life changing moment. I'm really glad you put this story in here. Uh, when Lowe's employee David Urban uh, came across the Getty family in the PVC aisle. Uh, he thought he would be helping them try to find the right fittings or something like that. It was after he heard what was being built and who was building it, who it was built for. Then he took the time to do more than just help. The Getty family was building parallel bars to help their son, William, practice walking because he couldn't walk at 12 years old. I think he said he was 12, right? I'll find out. He was born very prematurely, just 23 weeks. Jesus, yeah, yeah that's pretty that's early, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, 23 weeks, that's four months. Yeah, that can't be good. As a result, he has quadriplegic spastic cerebral palsy, and uh, one of the goals for William is to get him walking, said Mom. Uh, So inspired by young Will, Dave ended up spending half an hour cutting and fitting the PVC right there in the store, ensuring that everything was perfect to help Will get started finding his feet in the world. Finding his feet in the world. Now that's nice. I like that. (laughs) Then uh, came the test. Will got up out of his wheelchair and grabbed a hold of those bars. I think you saw that courageous smile of his, sense of pride. It keeps getting me, said Urban, holding back tears, as a matter of fact. The whole family saw how much it meant to Dave and quickly made a lasting friend out of the man who himself said the experience rewarded him 
well, a hundred times back. See, these are the stories. I love to read these stories as well. This man had no connection to this kid, but he cares about people. You know, he sees a little boy that can't walk, puts the parallel bars together for him. On oh, the kid, you should see the smile on this kid's face. Holy Christ. He is so happy that he's, and he's literally up because of the parallel bars walking. So why don't they put those stories on Fox and CNN? Explain it to me. Yeah, well, unfortunately, they don't move the needle until people have read 30 different articles uh, of terrible oh, things sure. going on in the world. So then they get that one that brings the feels back. I just want to say I love stories like that, and I'm glad. Rudy, did you pop that in there? I did, yeah. No, oh. I, I love those stories mm-hmm. because it's not all about, oh, this is horrible. No, here's a guy helping a kid. Didn't even know the kid. Doesn't matter. He wanted to help the kid. Love that a lot. We shall take a break. Be right back. See, I go from loving people a lot, and now i got to talk to Phil. What the hell? <laughs> we'll be right back. Right after this, Tom Bernard Show. Ever heard the expression, go with a leader? Why do people say that? I go with a leader because you don't become one unless you're doing something right. And in the world of auto dealerships, that means you can trust they're treating their customers right, their employees right, and must offer value that makes more and more Minnesotans want to come back to do business the right way. The Nissan stores of Walzer Nissan last month were three of the top four leading sellers of Nissans in the entire state. Now, I don't want to say who was number one because I don't want the guys at Nissan Coon Rapids and YZ to get jealous of Dan Rush in Burnsville. I'm Tom Bernard. My whole family owns and drives Walzer Nissans, and this April you can get 0% financing for 36 months on Rogues and Altimas, plus an additional $500 bonus on any trade-in you make. Even if you have to push it onto the lot, you still get at least 500 bucks on your trade. The leaders of Walzer Nissan Burnsville, Wyzetta, and Coon Rapids do things the right way. The Walzer way. So go to walzer.com and select the Walzer Nissan store nearest you. Oh, and tell them Tommy sent you. 0% financing for 36 months, $27 per month per 1,000 finance on approved credit. Do you ever Google yourself? Are you happy with what you find? Or is it cringy? Are you a business owner or on your company's marketing team? How do you feel when you Google your own place? What do you see? A non-updated social media page you don't even remember making? Ads for your competitors? An old-school website with outdated information? Hubbard Interactive can help. They can do it all for your business. They're a Google Premier Partner, so they can use search engine optimization to get your click results higher. They can build a 21st century website for you that communicates all the right things all the best ways. They've got a photo and video department to make your business look sharp. Plus social media, influencer marketing, podcasting, and more. All the things that will make you a lot happier next time you Google yourself. Here's a Google search that you'll find rewarding. Hubbard Interactive. You can see all the marketing tools they've used on hundreds of successful businesses, including an extensive gallery of the great work they could help your venture with. HubbardInteractive.com. Building campaigns that connect. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, 920 now, 20 minutes after 9 o'clock. Phil Mackey from Score North with us this morning. So what's happening, Pally? You know, we could talk uh, twins splitting with the Yankees, which mm-hmm. triggered step one of the World Series parade that we talked about last week. We yes. could talk about the Timberwolves getting smoked by about 30 <laughs> points 
in the first round of the uh, the playoffs in game one. Or I don't know if you guys have talked about this. The thing that I am the most worked up about, this Netflix situation from last night. Have you guys talked about this yet? Yeah, today? but we want to hear your take. I'd love to hear your take. Heads need to roll at Netflix today. <laughs> All right. As a, uh, as a devotee to uh, Love is Blind, which I don't know, you guys have probably already explained this to Tom, but for the, uh, the late arriving audience, this is probably the most popular current dating show on TV, I think. I think this is, I don't know, maybe The Bachelor, Bachelorette still gets more viewers just because it's network TV. But, uh, but they built this whole thing up. I think it's season three now. And, uh, and, and Netflix, who's, by the way, trying to impress, like, sports leagues in the NFL. They, they'd love NFL rights at some point. Hey, yeah. they'd like to run yeah. live NFL games. And so they ran, a, they ran a Chris Rock special a couple weeks ago. But this is going to be their second ever live event on Netflix. They've been promoting it for weeks, spamming your inbox, your social media. Netflix is going to be live on Sunday night for the Love is Blind reunion. <laughs> fart noise we all just waited for like 90 minutes like i'm the idiot who kept my wife too we kept refreshing the netflix page for an hour and a half (laughs) nothing so how did this happen why did this happen how do you not make sure this doesn't happen well i mean if they think about all the the streaming platforms amazon runs nfl games right Mm -hmm, you got mm -hmm. i I mean think about tiktok and instagram how many millions of people are just live on instagram live on tiktok Mm -hmm. and netflix is maybe doesn't Netflix have like 80% uh, home penetration in the United States? Yes. Yep. I don't know how many billions of dollars Netflix is worth, and they can't pay for a better hamster on a wheel to run a live stream? Yeah. That's exactly the point. So yeah. I was already fired up going into that Timberwolves game last night because I wasted 90 minutes waiting for the Love is Blind reunion, for God's sakes. <laughs> so I'm chapped this morning, if, uh, in case you can't tell. Now, Shannon brought this up. Shannon is a, a good friend of Brittany. She's in with us this morning because Brittany's drinking like a fish down at Disney World. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those deals. But, but it just, I, I don't, any of this stuff, I just don't understand how this happens. Don't you make sure before, look, I mean, like with this show, when we started the Tom Bernard Morning Show, I had been doing the family podcast in the studio for a long, long time, but it was just a family podcast. We didn't... Hubbard came in here, completely redid the entire place, and it's much, much better. They made sure as they went along, no things are still going to, once in a while, nothing that severe are going to go wrong. We just all of a sudden disappear from the stream. But I just, don't you make sure that you checked all those boxes? I mean, you would think so, right? Yeah. And if you're like, I don't know what the, what the job positions are, but if you're like director of live events at Netflix, right, you're totally updating your LinkedIn resume this morning. Right? There's, <laughs> there's, you have to be fired this morning. And they put out a tweet last night. So this is, again, this is an hour and a half after they announced and promoted the, uh, the live reunion. So this is from the Netflix Twitter account. To everyone who stayed up late, woke up early, gave their Sunday afternoon, we are incredibly sorry that the Love is Blind live reunion did not turn out as uh, we planned. We're filming it now. We'll have it available on Netflix as soon as humanly possible. Again, thank you and sorry. The comments are hilarious. Oh, really? People are just lighting Netflix <laughs> on fire. You know, people just, you know, you know, they don't hesitate to take the uh, 16 bucks a month out of your account on time every month, right? But they can't start the live stream within 90 minutes, so... Yeah, I don't think they're going to get NFL games, Tom, after uh, last night's debacle. Coming up next, the Super Bowl on Netflix. (laughs) 
No, wait, hold on. We're uh, we're having some slight technical difficulties. Uh, just give us another five minutes. Give us another five minutes. Sorry. Yeah, I don't so. understand that. They have tons of money, don't they? Netflix, you would think I mean? they can afford. I mean, isn't Netflix? I think Netflix is paying. You know, think about some of the TV series. Right. And some of the right. Like, they're, like they're producing Adam Sandler movies, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they got to be paying Adam Sandler fifteen, twenty million dollars to flick Jennifer Aniston. So, uh, they definitely have a budget to pay for big time productions. But I don't know. Maybe uh, pay for some better technical equipment or something would be would be my advice. Well, now tell me about the show because I've never seen the show. Why do you guys like it so much? Does anyone else watch it in this room, Rudy? I do. Shannon watches okay. it. <clears throat> so it's um, it's fascinating, and it it they basically take it's it's two weeks of blind dating, literal blind dating, where you are the men are on one side of a wall and the women are on another side of the wall. Oh. And so they go into these pods, these individual pods, and uh, you know you you might go in and talk to someone for five minutes and realize okay, not a fit for me, or you could sit in there for like eight hours and connect, but. But uh, these contestant, uh, contestants, I guess, I don't know what you would call them. We'll call them contestants yeah, or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Sure. They, they fall in love without seeing each other, and then they propose and get engaged before they meet in person. And then when they meet in person, they essentially spend 30 days together in the real world around each other's family, each other's friends or whatever. And then they have to decide, are they actually going to get married? And so... After uh, one thing? Yes. Yeah. After it's basically one month, one, one month or like six weeks of blind and then actual dating. And then when they walk up, so they have all their friends, all their family at the wedding. And, and they walk up in the full wedding gown, the tuxedo, everything. And they don't know if the other person is going to say, I do, until, you know, until they're asked, do you right. take this person to be your wife or husband so it's it's it is as it is as low-hanging fruit trash tv as you can possibly find (laughs) the next time i hear anybody talk about you are ruining the sanctity of marriage i'm just gonna i'm gonna just uh, point back to love is blind and go really i'm the one who's ruining the sanctity of marriage and and but last night was supposed to be all right everyone's everyone has consumed this show it's been filmed over the past 12 months or whatever and you know, no one really knows. They've kept it really quiet since the ending of the filming to the live reunion. We don't know who's still together, who's not. Did someone from this marriage hook up with someone from else from, you know, from this marriage? And we were all supposed to find out last night live. But, uh, you know, again, fart noise from Netflix. So wow. thank you for, for that. One of the great things of all time. See, that's one of the reasons I love having three different generations on this show. I think that's very important now in podcasting. To, to reach out. Well, as a matter of fact, I've been talking to Judd quite a bit about, because we're getting our own YouTube channel like you guys got. And, and that's a phenomenal way to reach a, a younger audience. Yeah. You know, which that's what they do. Other people do other things. But looking back, well, I mean, this didn't go right, but it was a, a blind dating thing that they did on The Tonight Show. And I can't remember the woman's name who was behind the, the, the screen, but they had Don Rickles doing a dating game, a blind dating game on The Tonight Show. And I will never forget. So they're going back and forth and back and forth. And he's asking her questions. She's asking him questions. about, And it's finally time for them, the great big reveal, okay? <laughs> now, Don Rickles being who Don Rickles is, you know nothing good's going to happen. <laughs> no way. Sure. She comes walking around from behind the screen. She is stunningly beautiful. I mean, stunningly beautiful. And Rickles looks at her and goes, oh, 
What happened? A car wreck? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, Don. Yeah, she's not good enough for you. I forgot. Well, do you do you guys remember? I think this was a Netflix documentary too that I saw. And, and Tom, you might remember this when it happened. But in 1978, on on the original the the dating game, the original TV show, and uh, uh, Rodney Alcala was a serial killer, like in the middle of a serial killing yes, I remember stretch that. of like yes. a decade. And he winds up on the dating game. Yep. Oh, he's yeah. like he's like four murders in and he winds up as a contestant <laughs> on the dating game. Yeah. Did you guys contestant ever... number two, what's your favorite thing to do on date night? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, slice off a left arm and yeah. uh, put it in the freezer. Yeah. Contestant number one, you're in your basement sharpening your knives. What do you say <laughs> to get me in the mood? <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever do a blind date? No, I never did either. Nope. No, huh, Mackie? I've done I've done one. Yeah, I did one about fifteen years ago, and it was one of the worst experiences of my dating life. <laughs> really? So we went to um, I think I don't even know if it's still open, but over in kind of uh, by, it's like off uh, Highway Seven, kind of by that Whole Foods. There's a sushi place called Wakame. Oh, sure. May, yep. Okay, spot. may or yep. may not still be there. And uh, so we met. You know, this I think like a mutual friend connected us, and so. You know, we went for like a late happy hour, kind of early. We'll get a couple, you know, glass of wine and some sushi. And you know how you can just kind of tell within like five or ten minutes if you vibe with someone. You know, someone might be yeah. really quiet. Yeah. You might be, you know, chatty, whatever it is. And uh, it was just very obvious in the first ten minutes that there's not much of a vibe here. And so we both get done drinking our glasses of wine. I think we had one little thing of sushi that we shared. And uh, and I had said, well, that was you know great to meet you. Um, you know, I got to get going to, I got to go meet some friends. I, you know, put out the, sort of the excuse. And then the waitress comes over and says, can I get you to anything else? And she goes, actually, I'd love to see the wine menu again. Oh my God. (laughs) She ordered a flight of wine, like literally four (laughs) wine samples and, and two more things of sushi. Oh no. And I'm just sitting there. (laughs) What do you do? Do you, do you leave? You sit there, and I actually didn't order another wine. I just ordered water and watched her drink wine, and uh, awkwardly sat there. So. Oh, so you didn't just abandon her, though? Well, I didn't want to. I didn't really want to be there anymore. I was like 21, right. 22 years right. old. Yeah. I got other things to do. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, everybody's very specific about what they, I've told the story many times. I just I fell in love with Catherine because she, she insulted me. <laughs> First time I ever met her, she insulted me, and it just went, "Oh God, she's a strong woman. I love this." Very, you know that story, don't you, Phil? What did she say to you? What was like, what oh, was like yeah, the first right. insult? So I walk into my you attorney. You loudmouth hack. Oh, yeah, God, yeah I'm pretty, no, that's everybody else. That's not her. <laughs> but but I, uh, I go to my attorney's office, and there's a new woman answering the phone. She's a young woman. I was 28 at the time. She, I think, was 21. She was very, very young. She's still in college and all the rest of it. But I walk up, very beautiful woman and all the rest of it. And I walk up, so I'm going to be, you know, kind of the cocky guy, try to impress the really pretty woman, right? <laughs> so I go, uh, my attorney's name was Alan. And I said, uh, would you tell Alan that Uncle Tom is here? And she goes, yep. She goes, Mr. Dorfman, Uncle Bob is here. And I said, my name is Tom. And she looks at me and goes, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I just fell in love right at that moment. Whatever guy. Yeah, yeah whatever you're, guy. Whatever you're hell Bob you to. today. <laughs> you're Bob today and not... Uh, see, I love that stuff. I re- you know, a strong woman like that, it's like, blow it out your ass. Well, we yeah. went, out, uh, went out to dinner one night, and we've been together ever since. It's, it was amazing. 
Uh, that's that, that's what does it for me too. I've been with my wife. My wife and I've been married for three years together for ten years, and uh, I'm just kind of a sucker for someone that that dishes it back. You know, if yeah. You, if you can't dish it back, then what's mm-hmm. the fun in the relationship? Well, I'm Shannon Rudy. You you wouldn't want somebody to sit there and take it and not give any back, would no, you? No, then I feel like a bully. <laughs> yeah, you feel like a bully then. That's very, very true. Rudy now, there's Williams. a limit. Like, if you're dating Rodney Alcala, uh, like, the dishing it back could be murderous, <laughs> and you need to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, have they ever understood what causes men to become so sexually deviant they have to kill many, many people? Because apparently it's all based, whether you're killing men or women, it's based in sex. If Rudy answers yes, we have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about up. this topic. Nothing. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you guys. I know nothing about this topic. Yeah. I've got nothing. I can't add one single thing. <laughs> I, um, I knew a guy that killed a couple of people, but he wasn't a serial killer. That was, that was kind of odd, though. It's like, why'd you do that? Well, I, just, I don't know. I felt like it. I was like, what? What? Wow. Like self-defense or just... Boring? No, no, he just went and killed... This, these, these April snow showers are getting to me. I'm going to go kill somebody. <laughs> he killed one person. They never did find out it was him. And then, I guess, a few weeks later, he killed another person, caught him, and they realized he was the one who killed the first person. Hmm. And I, I asked him... See, because here's, here's a weird thing about growing up where I grew up. And I think I've mentioned this before, but not to you guys. When you go to visit a friend of yours in prison... You run into a lot of other people you went to high school with. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's one of those deals. They come into the, the visiting room and all, and you go, Bill, I didn't know you were still in prison. Oh, yeah, I got like 11 years left to go. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. But one of the great things to watch there, there was a young woman. I think she was a young Spanish woman, actually, who was the head of uh, vis- Visitor's Day at Stillwater Prison, right? So I'm going up there to visit a friend of mine. And watching, she was probably about 5'3", something like that, maybe weighed buck 20. When she barked at those prisoners, they shut the hell up and did exactly what she told them to, and that was really <laughs> great to watch. Oh, my gosh. Like, don't mess with her, man. She'll kick your ass. <laughs> you know, this is probably a story for uh, for another, because it just it it just occurred to me to bring this up, but today is the... Uh, Today's the Boston Marathon. It's the oh. speaking of speaking of killers, by the way. That's why I'm bringing this up. So this is the 10 year anniversary of the Boston bombing. I God. was a block and a half away from oh. the bombs going off 10 what, years ago. Really? Could you we were, that? and I'm bringing this up with like two minutes to go here, so maybe we can talk about it some other time in, yeah. in detail. But, um, but my so I was out there. One one of my good friends is Chris Long from from Five Eyewitness News. Yeah, you know, he's yep. one of the sports guys there. Yep. And uh, and we had a couple friends who were running in the marathon. He has a good friend and, and a mutual friend of mine that works for a TV station in Boston. So all of us are going to, you know, this would be a good time for all of us, our friend group, to go gather in Boston, root on our friends running in the marathon. And uh, absolute chaos, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I watched, there's a, you know, just to continue plugging Netflix, apparently, there's a three-part documentary about, it's called American Manhunt. It is fascinating. It's sure. a behind-the-scenes look about basically the 80 hours that it took from the bombs going off to when they killed and detained the oh, two yeah. brothers, the Sarniyev brothers. And if you haven't watched it, it's fascinating. Uh, having been there, we didn't know what the... Because we, were, we, we weren't right on top of the noise, but you heard these two explosions. You weren't sure, was it a propane oh. tank? Was it something else? And all of a sudden, people start sprinting down the street at us as we were walking toward the finish line. Um, but it's uh, yeah, the, the 10-year anniversary today. They're running the marathon right now as we speak. Um, and if you get a chance to check it out, it's, it's fascinating on Netflix. No, Phil, before you go, is there any chance a Kenyan might win that race today? 
Pretty pretty good chance. Yeah, pretty good chance. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. It would it would take you and I about six weeks to finish the Boston Marathon, <laughs> exactly, in, including one Uber ride for you know a stretch. <laughs> one last question: Is it true that Hussein Bolt's top speed is like twenty eight or almost thirty miles an hour? Yeah. That's it's embarrassing. That's moving for a human and, being, baby. And and I know that I may Ooh. not look like Mr. Olympia, but I do hop on the Peloton once in a while. I sure. think the top speed that I've ever reached on a Peloton is like 22 miles an hour. Can you imagine like being on a bike going as fast as you can and you say <laughs> you power walking by <laughs> Runs right past you with great speed. Uh, I want to keep you on time, Phil, so we will talk to you again later this week, right? Yep, sounds good. We'll see you guys Friday. Thanks a lot. Phil Mackey, ladies and gentlemen, score north Phil Mackey. Uh, didn't talk with him much about the fact that the uh, the Twins did win two out of four from the New York Yankees, which is what we were looking forward to is get in there, win that hope. Yeah, yeah. The, I still think they had to win that first game. Otherwise, the second game would, would not have come about. Uh, you knew they weren't going to win all four games. You were hoping for after the two, you were hoping for one out of the last two, go for three. But we uh, we talked about it on the show. They're, they're, if they can come away 50-50 from that, they're in really great shape. They had the second-best record in baseball. I haven't looked at these standings this morning, but they lost yesterday, I know. Um, but I was just, as long as we're talking about the Twins, um, don't they have three games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with uh, Washington? That sounds right. I think, yeah, I think Washington here, yep. Okay, the- Shannon and, and Rudy, both of you, which game do you want to go to? Friday when it's cloudy and 43, Saturday when it's cloudy and 40, or Sunday when it's cloudy and 41? Uh, I'm, a, I'm an odd numbers guy, so I'll take that 41. You're taking sure. a 41? Yeah, okay. I, I just, I, it's happened before. I know April in Minnesota is very, very weird. But, you know, I came home, and matter of fact, I made some calls to see if, you know, a friend of mine, Several friends of mine see if they want to go to the Saturday game because, you know, i got to work on Friday and Sunday's when Catherine gets back. So, hey, you want to go to the game on, on Friday? I was still down in Florida then. You want to go to the game on Saturday? Uh, it's going to be 40 and cloudy, Tom. No, I do not want to go to the game on Saturday. I, I just, I really wish that wouldn't happen to Twins fans. And that's one of the things about having the Dome. And the Dome was a dump of a building. Don't get me wrong. I know that. But you never had... This it was always seventy two and you didn't have to worry about clouds or sun or anything. No. It was it was in a dome. It was so. our dump. <laughs> it was our dump. Yes, it's, that's right. It's a good way to put it. It Was our dump. But yeah, so I'm hoping the Twins can play their games. Do you know? Is there a is there a a level where they go? Look, man. I mean, like if that drops down to thirty nine degrees, will they even play the game? Do you think? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if they have a threshold or not. I don't either. Yeah. I have no idea. Because if it's just cold, you know, if there's no wind and it's just 41, it's not terrible. But, yeah, if there's a, if it's 41 and the wind's blowing at 15 miles an hour, probably, probably going to decide to cancel it. I'm not sure exactly what that is. Because, like, right now it's very windy and 34 degrees. Oh. Whoa, that's cold. I mean, that was weird getting off that airplane and it was that cold, although... Uh, it was 90 degrees, what, four days ago? Yeah. How does, is, is God trying to kill us all? Is that I what the plan know. is? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that first step off that plane when there's just that little bit of gap in between. Yes, the, yes. Yeah, that, oh, Shock. you hit that, it hits your, your feet and you go, oh, and I got to live in this. Ugh. <laughs> 
One of the great things about that, we're waiting at the Palm Beach International Airport down in Florida, and I would say at least 10 guys, maybe more, maybe, no, but it was at least 10 guys, showed up for the flight wearing a T-shirt and shorts. Like, did you check the weather in Minneapolis? Yeah. Because when you get off that airplane, you ain't going to be happy. There weren't T-shirts and shorts. Happened to me in Jamaica. Oh, on, really? On, on the way back, we we were, went to the airport. I mean, it was uh, 103 when we left Jamaica, and it was beautiful. I was like, let's just wear shorts and t-shirts, whatever. We'll just when we get to the airport before we oh. get into the van and drive back to Wisconsin, we'll just change in the airport real quick. Well, uh, we got to MSP and Delta lost our luggage. Oh, oh no. no! So I <laughs> I drove all the way back to Lacrosse, Wisconsin, two and a half hours oh. in a van in a pair of board shorts and a tank top. With sandals on, and it was negative twenty. Oh, oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. You said you're going to lacrosse. Yeah, did I, you work there? I did. I worked there for about nine years. Yeah, I love that town. Great place. Is it as great as my impression? Because I'm there anywhere near as much as you, but it, it seems like I love that place. Still, my favorite city in the Midwest. Yeah, there you. I think you know what I think you mentioned that once before. Mm-hmm. The view, the scenery is amazing. If you ever go, you have to go up to Granddad's Bluff and just. Grab a seat on a rock and just yep. look over because it just you look over the entire valley and you see three different states. It's great. No, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely that. And it's starting in kind of like Red Wing. I think is where it really starts. Obviously, it goes through right to the Twin Cities, but mm-hmm. Red Wing's another one. They have Barn Bluff there. Exactly what you're talking yeah. about. You walk up Barn Bluff and you see that. Like you said, it's like three different worlds. Yeah. Uh, Maiden Rock, great place to stop yep. and just like have yep. a bite to eat. There's so much that goes on. And we've talked about this before. It feels like Minnesota can be at times five different states. Mm-hmm. No, Central that's Minnesota, true. Northern Minnesota, you got that scenic river that goes all the way down Highway 61. Gorgeous. And then you got, I don't know, uh, Southern Minnesota. There's parts of it where you're like, we should just sanction you off to Iowa, <laughs> sell you off for goods because <laughs> you look exactly like Iowa. But they didn't get the win. Oh, no, they did get the Winnebago. Oh, the Winnebago plant used to be in Forest City. Oh, no, that was Iowa. Forest yeah. City's in Iowa, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we didn't even get the, the Winnebago. Remember when they hired, uh, or they didn't hire, they bought, uh, the L.A. Police Department bought three Winnebagos to go around and pick up criminals. Like, you know, this is back when they used to round people up, I guess. I don't know what it was. And Johnny Carson goes on the show and goes, I see they cut a deal with... Uh, Los Angeles uh, City Police cut a deal with uh, Winnebago. They're going to go around and pick up a bunch of people who are acting up or, you know, are in this or that uh, situation. And they've decided to change the name to Bagawino, which I thought was, that's not a bad joke. Winnebago, Bagawino, you know, right? You got to give them a little credit, mm-hmm. Rudy. A that's little. Good. That's good. It's good. All Absolutely. right. Yeah. Here's some advice we've never heard. You shouldn't be storing medicine in your medicine cabinet. Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah, me either. Here's why you shouldn't be storing medicine. I don't have a medicine cabinet, by the way. In my bathroom that I use at home, there, it's a, there's a mirror, but there's no, there's no medicine cabinet. I have one in my bathroom. Oh, you do? There's nothing in it, though. Well, there you go. So, so you, you, you figured it out long before. You should not put medicine in your medicine cabinet, uh, at least not long term. Someone posted a list of five things you shouldn't keep in your bathroom because of how the heat and humidity from your shower affects them. Number five would be painted wood furniture. How big a bathroom do you have, for yeah. Christ's sake? You know, I was sitting at the dining room table in the toilet. And, <laughs> the bathroom dining room. Uh, painted wood furniture, heat and humidity cause the wood to expand, so eventually the paint will start cracking and flaking off. Who the hell puts 
furniture in their bathroom. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's, a big, that's a big bathroom. It's a huge bathroom, at yeah. At Rush Limbaugh's house. Yes, at Rush Limbaugh's house. There you go. <laughs> Uh, teeth whitening gel. The humidity doesn't matter, but the temperature does. The fridge is actually the best place to keep your teeth whitening gel. Spare razor blades. Humidity can cause rust or dull the blades before you even use them. Speaking of that, just very, very quickly, I, I discovered, because my the place where I was staying down in Florida, the shower was right next to the sink. I mean, there was like no separation. You got out of the shower, and right to your right was the sink, Right. One of the problems I had, and I didn't even think about this, is you run the shower water pretty hot, and then when you shave, you run that water hot as well. And I placed, for safety reasons, I placed my hand razor face down on the counter. But when you go back to pick it up, because it cools off, the I don't know if it's rubber or some kind of soft material that goes around the blades sticks right to the counter and you oh, can't wow. get it off. <laughs> it's like, oh, you've been, you've done that? Yeah, like, it's like the gel, they, like the soothing it, gels, like it, it yeah. melts off and then it sticks itself to the counter when you pull it up, it's this weird gelatinous, <laughs> it yeah, is. it's gross. Yeah. That just happened to me for the first time like last week. I'm like, well, I can't even get the damn thing off the counter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, it's just yeah, the, the, the moist humidity, I guess, the hot air, mm-hmm. the hot air and water. Um, you got uh, makeup. No matter where you store it, bacteria from your face ends up in your makeup, uh, but the heat and humidity from your shower can make it grow fast. Well, you don't do that, do you, Shannon? No. No? No makeup in the medicine cabinet? And as we said, finally, medicine, high humidity shortens the shelf life, can become less potent. So medicine cabinets aren't really the best place to keep medicine. But again, I don't, I was trying to think, I don't think Catherine has a medicine cabinet either. Um, I, yeah, I def, matter of fact, I don't have a medicine cabinet here or where we stayed in Florida. I wonder why, did they, do you think they figured this out and said these medicine cabinet things just aren't working? I don't feel like people use them as much as they did back right. in the day. Yeah. And maybe this is the very reason. It's like they're, you can't put anything in there anyway because it'll go bad. You know, if you have a closet that is next to the bathroom or in the bathroom where you you store all that stuff. I might start considering that as uh, the sign of a made person because I have two two different ways uh, that you know. If your TV and your microwave both hang, they are on the wall and they're above your – the microwave is above. That's how you know you've made it because if you have a TV on a stand or your microwave sits on the counter, you haven't made it yet. But maybe this is the next thing. If you don't have a medicine cabinet, everything you keep is in a closet, that's how you know you've made it in life. I like it, ladies and gentlemen. we got to take a quick break here. Be right back in a couple of minutes, though. More to the Tom Bernard Show. A woman lived alone in a cave for 500 days. We'll find out what, came, what went on there, how it turned out, right after this. The last thing you think about after an accident is how your social media might be used against you. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant, and I hope you're never injured in a collision. But if you are, don't sign anything or post anything online until you've talked to us. These days, it's natural to share online what's happened to you, good and bad. When you file an injury claim, insurance adjusters will use anything they can to keep you from getting what you deserve. Your social media posts can be twisted and taken out of context. That includes words and pictures. Don't give them any fuel. Hey, you'll have the rest of your life to share the trip to the lake or your new job, but you'll only have one shot at winning your injury claim. If you've been in an accident, don't wait. Schedule your free case consultation now with Bradshaw and Bryant. Visit minnesotapersonalinjury.com. That's minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. 
Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company. As a community bank based right here in the Twin Cities, we believe in taking the time to get to know our customers and their businesses. And part of that is hiring and cultivating a team of experienced lenders. When your business banks with us, you're not training in a new inexperienced banker. In fact, our bankers have worked with many of the same customers for years, earning their trust. We get to know you and your business, and you get to know and rely upon us. When your business is looking to capitalize on an opportunity or solve a problem, we'll be here to help you. Tom here. I know Brad and Mike, and I trust that with my banking, they've personally delivered on everything they've just said. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. My God, that show went by quickly. It must have been the lovely and talented Shannon showing up that caused it. Oh my gosh, you're welcome. <laughs> no, it was great having you. Seriously, I, I just... I, what I find interesting is a lot of people wouldn't do this. They'd, they'd be too wary of doing it. They'd oh, be yeah. too nervous about it or something. I'm I'm not shy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shy. That's just how it is. No, I think that's wonderful, though. So thank you very much for coming. It's great to have you in. We might have to fire Brittany now and just keep you. What do you that's think? That's fair. I think it is. She's fine. She's got a husband. She's got a daughter. Mm-hmm. They want more she kids. Got she go, lives go. in the suburbs. Yeah. Just... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been sitting here life. for the last two hours and 45 minutes going, how is somebody so even keel and relaxed <laughs> friends with Brittany? Yeah, there you go. That's exactly what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. This is a facade. I'm very excitable. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, let's get her excited. We got, we got like nine minutes to get her excited. Mm-hmm. I hate all of you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so do you know how the story came out? A woman lived alone in a cave for 500 days. What happened? What do you think? She she lived alone in a cave. She lived Sounds alone like in a cave for five hundred days. Best life, to be honest. Okay, well that's a good vote. <laughs> now, Rudy, you've seen the story. I have not seen the oh, story. Oh, you haven't. No. So what did you think? No, five hundred days. Oh, five hundred days. Time. That Almost feels a year and a half. Yeah, that feels like a long, long time. Uh, I, obviously, she must have been going through a breakup because why else? You know, there's got to be something there. <clears throat> All right. So you said she she loved it. You she, say she might have gone through a breakup. Mm-hmm. The wildlife got her. The wildlife made her happy? No. No, they got her. Like a co- <laughs> oh, you mean the wildlife ate her? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I'm not I an guess, outdoors person. <laughs> I guess we'll find out now, Shell, don't we? Uh, time, time to yourself is good, but this is a lot of time. A 50-year-old woman in Spain just spent 500 days living alone in a cave, 230 feet underground, by the way. Oh, no. Holy God, that changes everything. Her name is Beatrice Flamini. That sounds like a circus performer, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Please welcome Beatrice Fanimi. <laughs> uh, it was an experiment to study our internal clock and how we react to extreme isolation. Scientists watched her the whole time, but she had no contact with anyone. She had two GoPros so they could see her. Uh, she went in on November 20th, 2021. To put that in perspective, the pandemic was still raging. The war in Ukraine hadn't even started, and Queen Elizabeth was still alive. She was 48 when she started, celebrated two birthdays in there. Oh, my God. But she uh, didn't actually know it was her birthday. She didn't have clocks or calendars, and she kept trying to keep track around day uh, 65. She said she was shocked when they... Yeah, because you're not going to see any sunrise, sunset. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. 230 feet underground. Uh, Yeah, you're not going to know what the hell time of day it even is. No doubt about it. 
uh, said she was shocked when they came uh, to get her on Friday because she didn't think she'd been there that long. She would have guessed around 170 days. That's pretty interesting. One third mm-hmm. of real time. And she was kind of sad it was over. She told them not to contact her, even if there was a, a death in the family. She had a panic button, but said she never felt the urge to push it. She did have to come out for eight days once uh, when a router had to be fixed. But she stayed in a tent alone, never talked to anyone. And those eight days did not count toward the 500 days. Uh, they sent food down to her. She uh, sent to her waist back up, but she never showered the whole time. Wow. Well, I suppose if you're not moving around, you wouldn't have to shower that much, I sure. guess. But. I don't know, for a year and a half not showering, that'd be a bit much. Your hair's kind of greasy, if you know it. Who's going to smell you? Uh, yeah, probably a little bit. Uh, so how'd she pass the time? She said she did a lot of drawing, a lot of knitting, exercising, read about 60 books. She also planned to write a book, but says she didn't have time to finish it. Uh, she basically didn't talk the entire time, so conversations are tough right now. But the, I suppose if you didn't talk for a year and a half, you might have a problem talking after that. If I would you be don't talking to myself. You would just constantly? Oh, yeah. Shannon. <laughs> uh, the first thing she did was ask uh, when she climbed out, she wanted somebody to buy her a beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this woman more now. Uh, her team says she broke the world record for the longest time spent in a cave, but it hasn't been confirmed by Guinness yet. But a woman spent 500 days in a cave, and she says she loved it. You know, the no showering thing, I bet your your body would probably even itself out. Yep, I bet. Yeah, I I bet, you know, you talk about the smell, you probably would have that smell at about like day six or seven. But once you got to day 20, your body would just figure out its natural way to keep you from smelling. It wouldn't, because, you know, they talk about this all the time that we're using way too much soap. It's not good for us. We need to have a, a, we need to have germs on us. We need to be a little dirty at times. Yeah. To be able to huh. really be healthy. So maybe just your body would, yeah. In fact, you know what? Uh, I'm going to make a stand. From here on out, 500 <laughs> days, no showers, Tom. I'm going for it, my yeah, man. Gonna, so. fi- I, live in, I sit <laughs> in a different you. room, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> You're in there, and I'm out That's here. That's your cave now. <laughs> yeah, it's your cave now. Andy will really appreciate it, though. Absolutely. He'd love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, it's, I like when they do these scientific experiments and see how they work out and uh, how the whole world. Yeah, she said she loved being by herself. I wonder what the mentality of a person to sign up for that is. Yeah. Or to thrive in that environment even. Because if you're in a serious relationship, you're not going to get in. If you have children, you're not going in. If you have Mm -hmm. a real job, you're not going in. That's true. Or even like your personality. I would never be able to do that. What do you mean? You sat here the whole day and comported yourself rather well. I know, but I I think I would do not great without other people around ever. Yeah, so just nobody around ever for a year and a half. That would be that. And I'd be sending up my waist. I'd be like, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> Although she said the time went by three times faster. Sure. So that's kind of interesting, don't mm-hmm. you think? Yeah. She thought she was there a buck seventy, and she was there five hundred days. Jesus. All right, now a different kind of person pops up in the news. A substitute teacher at a Texas middle school encouraged students to fight, going so far <laughs> as to create rules and post a guard at the door. District officials said NBC5 reports that the sub has been fired and police are now investigating the incident at Kimbrough Middle School, which was caught on video by one of the students. I had to stop it multiple times because I didn't think it was real. That student's mother, Beatrice Martinez, said of the video, I was like, this must be a prank. 
This is not real. Her daughter said some of the uh, kids left class all bloody, and that she is now getting death threats for reporting that. What is this? What the hell is that all about? You, you guys got a line on that? Uh, I read a little bit about this story, uh, and then I did see something on the news about it earlier. They, here's the thing about substitute teachers. First off, they really don't have a dog in the fight, no pun intended, right. uh, when it comes right. to a job, because a lot of them, it's just kind of like, you know, a lot of substitute teachers are, are people who are maybe just getting into it, or they're former teachers. Yeah. They don't really have, they're not there every day. Uh, also, cultures, man. Cultures, cultures. It's, it's such a weird thing to grow up. When you see moms, you know, uh, I heard an interview with Amber Rose, the uh, the musician one yeah. time, yep. and she talked about how back in Philadelphia, when there would be an altercation, moms would take their daughters and oh, bring yeah. them to the house and be like, our daughters are going to fight in the street, and yep. we're all going to make a circle, and no one's going to jump in, and then afterwards... We're never going to talk about this ever again. Could you ever imagine your parents bringing you to another person's house to intentionally get into a fist fight with somebody? But it's a lot of culture. And apparently some of the kids were on board with this. Obviously, the parents were mortified. And oh, but I, you think about it, 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 you start seeing these things go down. And this is another prime example of when you read this article, you went, why does nothing surprise me anymore? No, it doesn't. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. I just, one of the greatest things I ever saw in my entire life, I was going to North High School. I lived on 18th, about half a block from the school at the time. And I hear this, as soon as I open the front door, I hear all this noise. I'm like, oh, God, what now over at North High School? Here we go. I get over there, and there's people in a circle. Uh, Apparently, there's a fist fight going on. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, what is this all about? Because you couldn't see the people fighting because they were surrounded by other people. Finally walked over, and luckily I found a spot where I was taller than everybody else. It was two mothers in a fist fight over their sons. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they were going at it, too. These women knew how to fight. Sure. It wasn't like they were slapping at each other. You know that whole spin move deal where they slap at each Uh other? Yeah. No, this was punches. It It was unbelievable. I just, okay, well, yeah. you do what you do, and good for you, and I'm happy for you. Yeah, Shannon, how many fights did your mom get into for you? <laughs> None. None? Yeah. Why not? not? she had. Come on, sometimes. Well, are you going to protect me <laughs> or not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you count on, I can't even imagine. I just pictured my mother in a fist fight, and what a laugh that gave me. Toots in a fist fight. Yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> not, a, not a chance. She's too busy smoking cigarettes to get in a fist fight. Mm-hmm. God, I think my mother must have smoked five packs a day, for Christ's sake. Oh, man. Maybe that's why she sounded like Amy Daniels. What do you think? <laughs> they do. do my it. mother and Amy sound a lot alike. Mm-hmm. So that's, that. I, you know, that was her deal. So good for her. I'm just, you do what you do and whatever. Um, this is interesting. Well, I, just, I know we only got about a minute to go here, but... Uh, here are a few more good news stories making the rounds. A guy named David Irv. Oh, that. Oh, we already did this story, but helping the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. Is. But I just. I just wanted to make sure that I got to it. But it was this one we've already covered. Yeah. So we can hit the road. God, my God, it's this show goes by very, very fast. I will tell you that. So Shannon, thank you so much. Uh, how are you going to feel about the fact that we're going to end up firing Brittany to keep you? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. It is the way it is, And so right? will she. There's nothing you can do so about she. it. She'll understand. Wasn't your idea. I know. It wasn't me. I didn't say, get rid of her. I like it. Well, thank you very much for coming. It was yeah, great having you in me. studio. No question about it. Rudy, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good, guys. Thanks.